Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Full Press NHL podcast. I'm your host, Jim Berenger. I am joined by Willie Ramirez of ESPN Las Vegas, writer at the Sporting Tribune and member of the PHWA. Willie, thank you for having coming on the program today and taking some time out of your busy day. You got to appreciate you having me on. Yes, at game one of the Stanley Cup final in the books, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, Florida Panthers, Vegas wins 5-2, uh, taking a one nothing series lead. And for the Golden Knights, how did they shut down that aggressive forecheck of the Florida Panthers in game one to, to go up 1-0? Uh, you know what? I think it was just a matter of sticking to their game and not – I think a big part of it was not getting caught up in um, Florida's antics um, when Florida was trying to play its physical style, um, when Florida would try to – you know, there was, a, there was a point in the first period where Florida sort of took over the pace of the game. I thought that Florida actually dominated the middle part of the first period. I think through the first five, six minutes, it was a, it was a rather even pace. And then I think Florida sort of took over. And then Vegas got its its legs back with about 4.34 left. I literally looked up at the clock of the Jumbotron, and I remember the clock at that particular time stamp that they that they just started they just sort of got back into the rhythm and i think what it, what the key was was sticking to their game plan i think what florida has been able to do if you look at the complexion of the postseason you know through all three rounds when they were playing boston when they were playing toronto when they're playing carolina is they never wavered from what they were doing and they forced boston toronto and carolina to sort of play their style of play they forced them all on their heels where Vegas never, outside of that 10-minute stretch in the first period, Vegas never really wavered from what it does and didn't join in the mix of whatever Florida was in, in sort of inviting or baiting it to do, if, you, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, we saw Florida try to get physical in that first period. I know Aiden Hill uh, with the blocker shot heard around the world uh, last night. I know... You know, it was a big thing for Florida, especially to get Boston off their game was the physicality. But 
it seems to me that Vegas is equal to the test within that physicality and doesn't mind roughing it up a little bit. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things about Vegas is, you know, it's funny because I was being asked a lot during the first round who Vegas would want more, Edmonton or the Kings, when the Kings were challenging Edmonton. And I kept saying, bring on Edmonton. The Golden Knights would rather play Edmonton for the simple fact that Edmonton is going to try to skate past Vegas, and Vegas could adapt to that easily with the likes of Stone and Stevenson and um, Eichel and the speed that it possesses. You get a, a team like L.A. that's going to be scrappy and hungry early in the round. L.A. kind of reminded me, not in the same style of play, but like how Florida became this upset-minded team. And as you know, in the history of the playoffs, there's always going to be that six, seven, eight seed that really has that hunger and desire. And if it, L.A. got past Edmonton, it was going to be dangerous, the same way Seattle became dangerous as it kept going through the through the playoffs. So the beauty of Vegas is you can if you want to go heavy, it, it has the bruisers that can go with you. And nobody, as you saw in game one, nobody's going to back down. Jack Eichel is going to mix it up with you. Mark Stone will throw blows. The Jonathan Marchesoff will <laughs> drop the gloves and take on the biggest guy out there. It does not matter. So um, I I think, you know, if you're if you want to skate fast and you want to try to, you know, do what you do, they're going to make it tough for you in the neutral zone and they're going to skate right there with you. Um, if you want to play heavy, they'll play physical. So that's the beauty of this team is it's not just about forward depth. It's styles of play it can adapt to, and it can match up with anybody in the league. Yeah, I mean, that neutral zone trap was really effective. I mean, you want to call it that. Um, and the way Bruce Cassidy has implemented it uh, with this Golden Knights team. I mean, I, you know, you, we saw what they did with Edmonton and Dallas. And this that was one of my keys coming in is can they limit – uh, the middle of the ice for the Florida Panthers. And as we saw in game one, they did. And I think if they continue to do that, this could be uh, go Vegas's way because they're just so big. I like that back end with Martinez and, and Petrangelo. Right. And you're talking about the two guys you're talking about have Stanley Cups, right? They have three between them, three rings. Martinez having two, Petrangelo having one. I mean, um, we, th- th- that's what another aspect of this Golden Knights team that that is somewhat special is there's been a lot of talk of the original six on this team that went to the 2018 uh, final. They all have said, even William Carrier today at media availability, he was like, yeah, we were such young bucks back then. When you, you We've been talking about that. When you think about it, we were so young. And Gosh, it was just six years ago. I mean, it doesn't it sound like a lot, but or yeah, no, five years ago, excuse me, in 2018. Uh, five years ago, these guys were green. Shea Theodore has been saying back then we were so overwhelmed from media day to the very next day jumping on the ice. And Washington, that was their first Stanley Cup victory, but you still had a lot of veterans, right, led by Alex Ovechkin, whereas in this situation, those guys are back. It's sort of a redemption year for them, but you have all these veterans that are joining them, guys that have rings in Barbashev, in Petrangelo, in Martinez. You know what I mean? Uh, these these are Stanley Cup champs. So when you mix all that together and you have the strength of a defense that 
you know, your blue liners, they can do their job. Aiden Hill's playing out of his mind. You know, a lot of times with with the goldies also, when you look at Aiden Hill and, 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 the, and the route he took to get here, I mean, I don't think anybody knew who Aiden Hill was until he arrived. Nobody would even can even probably know. Can you imagine just four or five years ago? I know what it was like when they hired Peter DeBoer from San uh, you know, after he was fired by San Jose. Can you imagine bringing in a goaltender from San Jose and what this crowd would think here in Vegas? So um, everybody provides confidence for one another. They all sort of lift each other. The locker room is as strong as it's been. Last year, I asked the guys on the exit interviews about the chemistry, how much it seemed different. That was a big ordeal in the first season is was off the ice how much these guys meant to one another. I didn't, we didn't feel that last year when they missed the very first uh, the, the playoffs for the very first time. This year, it's a lot different. They've bonded, and it's made their, uh, their strength on the ice even better in trusting one another. Um, whether it's the forward depth, whether it's the blue liners, and whether it's who's in net. And these guys have rotated four or five guys in and out of net. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of the first year when, when Vegas was in the league. They, I think they went through like eight or nine goalies that year. This year they go through five. And you mentioned Aiden Hill. I mean, the save of the playoffs, the turning point of game one, yeah. unless there was another one. But to me, I think that's the turning point, that save in the second period on Nick Cousins. It was huge, and, and the 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 irony of it is that it was the exact same net, uh, exact same area where Braden uh, Hopi made the save on Alex Tuck uh, uh, five years ago in the Stanley Cup Final in Game Two, which everybody says was the turning point for that Stanley Cup. You know, Tuck lists that puck and goes over Hopi's uh, uh, paddle. We may be talking about. Golden Knights going for its second Stanley Cup championship. So um, the fact that Aiden Hill, with the poise that he used to stop that puck, when you're going up against Sergei Bobrovsky, um, it says a lot to the character of Aiden Hill. Again, when you're talking about not just the goalie rotation this year, but going into the postseason, who everybody was counting on to, uh, you know, who was going to be in net. Was Logan Thompson going to be back? Laurent Persuas was the starter. Jonathan Quick was traded for. I mean, it was it, it, it was monumental for not only, I think, for this series, but for Aiden Hill's career in terms of that young man's confidence. You know, that that save alone will go a long way as to what he feels he's capable of doing. He's made a lot of timely saves and the, and the big save for this team. I mean, even in the games they lost to Dallas, I thought he played really well. And yeah. he came up with key saves. And, I mean, I think this playoff run is going to earn him a nice contract come the summer. It is. And, and it's not going to surprise me. Um, the fact that Logan Thompson, um, you know, we saw him. We've seen him in and around the arena, um, you know, when they're playing up in the press box. I saw him last week at the Las Vegas Aces game, the, the WNBA team. Um, he, he loves sitting courtside and supporting the WNBA champs. So um, he seems to be fine, but, of course, that doesn't mean that he's ready to go. It doesn't mean he's, he's available. But, you know, um, I have to wonder, because of the fact it's a playoff scene, you can have a third goaltender ready to go. You can have the, your starter, your guy on the bench, and then an emergency um, rather than the the typical arena e-bug. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do next year. It's going to be a huge question because 
You still have Robin Leonard's contract to deal with, and he's got all of his off-ice issues with all these fraudulent charges and everything that's going on with him. You got Aiden Hill stepping up. You have Laurent Brassois, who re-injured himself midway through the uh, Edmonton series, but he needs to be answered for. Jonathan Quick, you can get let him go. You have uh, Yuri Patera. But you have some question marks as to who should be your starting goaltender going in. And with the way that Brassois and Hill played this postseason, I have to wonder if those are your guys that you look to sign and if you look to deal Logan Thompson with Robin Leonard uh, out the door. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and you bring up uh, bring up the offseason for the Knights. And, and one of the question marks is going to be Ivan Barbashev, who's been, I mean, just an unbelievable pickup by Kelly McCrimmon this this trade deadline and what he's done with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marsha. So, I mean, how important has he been to this Golden Knights lineup? He's just kind of been a sleeper, like a, almost like an X factor because he's not just that offseason. You know, in the past, they've always gone for the home run during the uh, either right before the season starts or at the deadline. And, I mean, Barbashev is one of those guys where you, you know who he is, you're not necessarily, you know, overwhelmed with with the name and the talent, even. But it's what he brings in that he's not that that home run name like when they picked up Mark Stone or in the past Paul Stastny, you know, just different guys. But he's a guy who can make a difference at the right time, whether it's a timely goal, a timely pass, leadership on the ice. He knows how to win. He has a Stanley Cup ring. He won one with Alex Petrangelo in St. Louis. Um, so yeah, he'll be a, he'll be a UFA at the end of the season. And, um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, they have six UFAs that they have to deal with who's on the current. And then, uh, I believe four restricted, re, uh, restricted free agents. So, um, they definitely have some questions to answer when it comes to signings. The thing is the names that are going to come up, I think three out of their, uh, out of the six that I mentioned out of unrestricted are goaltenders. But um, Ivan Barbashev has been fantastic for this team. He's blended right in the locker room. Everybody that we asked this week, especially at media day, about what Barbashev has meant, the very first thing that they sort of allude to is what how he blended in the locker room. It takes me back to my original comment of how important it is to be in the locker room with this team, not just what they do on the ice, but because the thing is, let's be real, you can't just bring in like a, a fourth line scrub off, you know, whatever. I mean, you're going to bring in someone talented, but it re- what really matters, because if you're a smart hockey player and you've been doing this all your life, which most of these guys have, you're coming in and you're going to adapt to Bruce Cassidy's system. You're going to learn it. You're coming to the Golden Knights. Also, you're going to kind of respect the run that you're on in the second half of the regular season the number one seed, right? So you're, you're not going to really, really want to ruffle any feathers because playing on a damn good hockey team, what you're going to want to do is make sure that you get along with everybody. And this dude's blended right in perfectly with the locker room. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the locker room and the feel. You know, from an outsider's perspective, watching this team play, and especially through the playoffs, it feels like they have this underdog mentality because a lot of people have picked against them in the first three rounds. Is, do you get that sense around the team at all, being in the locker room? Sort of. Um, they try not to let that affect them. They've said that they don't. I mean, I think that they were favored to beat Winnipeg. I don't. I think it was sort of probably a 60-40 split. I think it was more so just a lot of people thinking Vegas might be vulnerable. Um, you're going up against Connor Hellebuck. You didn't know what to expect with Laurent Persois. 
but they were definitely feeling the effects of being the underdog and, you know, the talk of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And, and why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, but pass, pass um, Nugent Hopkins, then it's, then it's kind of like those three and the rest of a talented team. And they proved, the Golden Knights proved that this is more than Eichel and Stone. They can go on scoring drafts. Like Eichel hasn't scored in like eight games. Uh, I believe that's what it's up to eight games now, but they don't necessarily let the outside noise get to them. A lot of teams will use it as fuel. They'll use it as motivation. This team, I think is aware of the talk. They're aware of the chatter, but at the same time, they've done a really good job of just, just moving on an even keel. And it starts at the top of Bruce Cassidy. Like you rarely see this guy get animated. You rarely see him, you know, um, sort of just lose it on a team where he's come in and t- t- talked about how, hey, this person's going to need to step up or this team's going to or tonight we were this or tonight we are that. But he's really like – he's very even keeled. And I think because it starts at the top, that's how this team sort of – it's it's motor, motorist operandi. Is that how he's pronounced it? Uh, you know, he's <laughs> – he's a, he, they have just been sort of, you know, hey, okay, yeah, we're underdogs. Okay, fine. Come in against Dallas, Peter DeBoer, former coach. Yeah, okay. Ottinger, sure, whatever. They they don't care. They you know get down in a series, come here and beat them in Vegas. It doesn't matter. They're it's all about okay, put it behind you. Like that's a cliche. Well, we just got to put it behind us and and forget about it at midnight and and start to no. They really do that. Like that's that's probably part of their success. You know, that's that's uh, part of the method- methodology of how they're, you know, enjoying the successful run. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Bruce Cassidy, what a smooth transition coming in here. A great hire by Kelly McCrimmon. You know, to me, I mean, one of the best coaches, and I still think Boston made a mistake letting him go, but he's brought a lot of experience, especially experience in a Stanley Cup final. Um, like Barbashev, you know, Cassidy's changed the identity of this team defensively and, you know, just what has he meant to a lot of these players and have they fed off of him and his experience in the final? Um, you know, he, he's been here before when he lost with he lost with Boston to the Blues, which, as I mentioned before, Petrangelo and Barbashev played on. Um, and I think he just allows their personalities to, to dictate the locker room and the ice. It's a, it's a matter of, hey, go out and do your job, you know, do what's asked of you, play within the system, but be you. You know, don't 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 adjust and 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 sort of waver from who you are on or off the ice. And Kelly McCrimmon talked about that in year one. Is is that character was a big deal for this room? Now I'm I'm not going to call anybody out, okay? And 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 I don't I'm not going to blame one person, but I will say this: last year they missed the playoffs. And I don't know where it started, and I don't know what the what created the issue, but the goalie controversy toward the end of the season, when Robin Leonard was in and then he was out, Logan Thompson was in, we had heard different things, who was supposed to be in the net. The problem is, is that Robin Leonard is is documented with his bipolar episodes and his mental health issues and, and all due respect to everything that he goes through, because I will never you know, talk down to anybody uh, when it comes to mental health awareness. But that all together can wear on a team. And if if that, when you're losing, 
and you're about to you're facing missing the playoffs for the first time in your existence, and you got original members of the team in the locker room, that could all, you know, add up among 20 skaters. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not blaming Robert Leonard. What I'm saying is that was a controversy toward the end, the goalie issue. This is a guy who's always vocal. When he comes in to talk for two minutes of availability, sometimes at a left field, he'll bring up a topic and rant for nine minutes on the NHL or the team or mental health. So if you have those two things, now you have players who are disappointed, salty, angry for missing, or, you know, as the season's digressing, not progressing, there's a collection of problems there, right? So that's what makes things different this year. And, and I go back to the beginning. It starts at the top with Cassidy. It starts with this locker room with personalities and how Kelly McCrimmon was adamant in year one that this team and George McPhee also this locker room will be built on character. We want it to start on the inside. Make sure everybody gets along inside that locker room. Do the, their families go and do things together? They hang out like ever. Like how many times you've been doing this for a long time, right? Yeah. When Jack Eichel was traded from Buffalo to Vegas, if you were to give me the percentage that you thought of how many people we were told by, let's just say from Buffalo media members that either said, "Oh, you're going to love covering him," or "Oh." Good riddance. Have fun with him. Which one was the majority, right? Uh, Good luck covering him. Right. Jack Eichel has been one of the best guys in six years. It's it that there's a two way street, and there there's you know I and I shut the recorder off after Jack had his surgery, um, and is one of his first days back, and and we talked for a minute off the record, and basically I just told him, look. Obviously, we're going to hear a lot of things. Obviously, from Buffalo, I said, but I just want to introduce myself. I'm a man of my word. I've been doing this for over 30 years. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm well over 50 years old. And I just want you to know that when it comes to me, loyalty is key. And, and I'm a, I don't judge people off of other things that I've never been a part of or what other people say. It could be we could be in the same locker room and my colleagues and I know those colleagues, and so I'm going to at least hear what they have to say, but I'll still judge it. This stuff from Buffalo that's followed you here, I could care less about it. I just want to f- know that you're on a fresh slate with me when it comes to any time I need to talk to you or whatever. And he shook, he stood up, shook my hand, looked my eye, and he goes, man, I really appreciate that. And ever since then, I'm not the only one that has a great rapport with Jack Eichel. This dude is hilarious, and he's awesome to work with. Yeah, I mean, Eichel's been great this playoffs for this, this Golden Knights team. I mean, do you think, like, coming into that locker room, obviously it was going to take him some time, you know, with that neck fusion surgery. I mean, you know, nobody expected him to light it up the first year. Coming Actually, back not from fusion, disc replacement. Disc replacement, yes. Thank yeah. you for the correction on that. Um, but, you know, nobody expected him to light it up. But do you think, like, the veterans in that room, you know, maybe talk to him a little bit or they just let him be himself and – and he just fell in line with the room because the chemistry was just so good. They fell in line. They all fell in line before the surgery. Okay. Perfect. He, he made right. sure he came in and got together with them and they communicated and he started building relationships before the surgery. And it was all, it was, everything was thrown out on the table and they all sort of started building their bonds early on. He wanted to get to the, he wanted to get to know them and he wanted them to get to know him before the surgery. That way, 
when he could make his way back on the ice slowly but surely and in the locker room and in the in the weight room, um, he, he wanted them to know who he was. They want, He wanted to show them his character, not the character that everybody else has painted, not the portrait everybody else has painted. When I tell you that this dude, like he's not kissing anybody's ass, but what I can tell you is that this dude um, – it's like like me telling him, "Hey, I want a fresh slate as a reporter with you, so you understand. Like, I'm not what you portray as the member of the media from where you came from, and I'm not trying to come, you know, for you to to, to interpret that the same way. I'm not interpreting the Jack Eichel, the picture of Jack Eichel that everybody is painting for Buffalo. I think it's the same mindset, you know. In, in, in the, you get a new guy that comes into a locker when Ryan Reeves came here, right? From uh, St. Louis or from Pittsburgh, uh, that first year, the, the first Stanley Cup run, everyone was like, "A goon! We don't need a goon! We don't need." The first two games, he went out and blasted the L.A. Kings, and Gerard Gallant pulled him in the locker room in, in his office. He was like, "I understand that that's big, but we don't need you to live up to your reputation and the rumor of who you are. This is who I want you to be." And from that point forward, his penalty minutes leveled off. You know, he didn't, and, and all of a sudden. He fit in within the system, and everybody loved him. Now he's he's still a fan favorite. That dude, no matter what colors he wears when he walks into that uh, arena and when he steps on that ice, everybody will always love Ryan Reeves. There is, I everybody loves Jack Eichel. There's nothing could be further than I don't want to say the truth because whatever took place in Buffalo, hey, someone could say Eichel was really hard to deal with. You know what? But what made him hard to deal with in Buffalo? What what happened on the other side to cause him to be that way? Right. So it's a two way street. You got to pay that kid respect that he deserves. He's one of the best. He came in the league with Connor McDavid. Those were the two best guys coming in that draft. Pay him that man his respect, and he'll respect you. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And I think everybody was waiting for Jack Eichel to make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs because we could see what this kid's about. When the bright lights are bright, the, the playoff lights, he's performing, and he's one of Conn Smythe Trophy favorites right now on the Vegas side. He is. There's there's a number of players. Uh, William Carlson didn't have a a a big night last night statistically, but it wouldn't surprise me if he had. He's been coming up with timely goals. Jonathan Marchessault, actually, if you look at some of the offshore sports books, or they're not even offshore anymore because <laughs> there's sports books everywhere. I, I I'm so used to saying that phrase. Um, almost 30 states or 30 plus states with sports books. But um, Jonathan Marchessault, there was a good number on him, like plus 800 to win the con Smythe. Uh, one of the local guys here on the radio was saying, uh, one of my colleagues from ESPN radio, he picked him just because he said, there's something about him. That he always comes up with timely goals or always big time goals for the golden Knights. He's kind of been the diminutive leader, right? The little guy who he, he, he can, he can dish, he can score and he will he will th- throw blows with you at any given time. So, um, you know, there's there's a there's a couple of names up there that Aiden Hill. I mean, it's you, you, you can't rule out a goalie without. I mean, that save alone last night, that paddle save could have catapulted him into the favorite for the con smite. So there's a lot of names, but yeah, Jack Eichel's been held off the score sheet. He hasn't scored in quite a bit. So I think he hasn't scored since the Dallas uh, the Edmonton series last game of the or the. Game five of the Edmonton series. So he's now, uh, let's see, that would be six, seven, eight games, I believe he's been scoreless. So 
that which isn't a bad thing because he does a lot of other things. You know, last night one of my colleagues I was sitting next to, he he was marveling at. He goes, man, he does that stick lift and that defense, and then he just swipes the puck. Because before you even know it, it's, he's gone. So I mean, he 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 does a lot of defensive things as well. That's a big thing about this team with these forwards. Their defensive skills, Carlson, Stone, Stevenson, uh, Eichel. You look at what they do on the defensive end. These guys are brutal. Yeah, they are definitely brutal. I mean, look, you saw what Bruce Cassidy did with the fourth line. We haven't even mentioned those guys. I mean, you mentioned Terry in passing. But, I mean, to me, like, one of the, the moments in that Dallas series, what he did when – because I was listening to Sportsnet feed, Gary Galley mentioned it, moving Howden and Wah. That team just took off from there in game yeah, six. He's that's – one thing that Cassidy has done, and, and he had time to do it in different um, – stretches of the season was experiment with different combinations of his lines, especially when a couple of the guys went down, especially with Mark Stone. When Mark Stone went back down with the second back surgery, um, being able to experiment, and I'm going to tell you who the catalyst for all four lines has really been, um, is Chandler Stevenson. And that started last year when Peter DeBoer was the coach because they lost over 500 man games to injuries last year. I think that ranked number two, if I'm not mistaken, um, behind Montreal. But Chandler Stevenson, DeBoer had him with so many different line combinations, it, 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 whether it was the first line, second line, third line, different wings with him every step of the way. Now over here, he's so versatile and he's so good at what he does. Um, I remember Gerard Gallant telling me, in year one, that Riley Smith was one of the smartest players. Hockey IQs was one of the highest he had ever been around. All got, all the hockey players are smart. You understand the X's nose, you understand systems and whatnot. But as far as IQ, seeing the eyes, understanding the philosophies, being able to tell what everybody on the ice is going to be able to do, whether they're wearing your sweater or the other. I think Stevenson is the exact same way. This dude is brilliant on skates. So I think he's a big time catalyst and he allows the versatility of being able to move guys to the other lines. It's not a matter of the line you're creating on the fourth or the line you're creating on the second. It's who you're also leaving in the lurch and how you're going to build those other lines, what allows you to take from other lines to build this line. You still have to create these strength up here. And Stevenson, in my opinion, is the catalyst that allows you to do that because you're going to have your superstars, right? You have your original misfits in Marchesaw, Carlson, and Smith. You're going to have your Stone and your Eichel, but to move Stevenson around, okay, well, we got to piece this together. Where are we going to put – if we're putting – Howden and uh, Wazi down here. What are we doing with Stevenson? Where can we put – Stevenson makes things so adaptable up and down that forward line. And, yeah, a great acquisition signing. You know, he since he's come over, he's fit in great. He's just been a great player, underrated player. Go back to Marshall for a minute. He got his 10th of the, the playoffs, uh, the yeah. power play, started the Golden Knights, and he's been on a tear since that second round. Yeah, and I mean, Marchessault is, I think, 10 goals in 10 games at one point or something, uh, or I, I can't remember. I think the it's eight and eight. I think it's eight and it eight, eight right and now. Eight, yeah. eight and eight, eight and eight, and 10 goals going back to. But he, uh, you know, this is dude, this dude is like fearless. 
And he doesn't need a C on his jersey. Like, you know, for the longest time, before Mark Stone was named captain, there was never a captain on this team. They didn't have one for the first several years. They didn't want one to, from that came from Kelly McCrimmon. They just wanted they had they had A's on their jerseys, but there were no C's. And he's always sort of been the voice, man. He's always been the constant. You know, Riley Smith, as I mentioned, you know, you got your original six: Braden McNabb, Chate Theodore, William Carrier, and then Marchesaw, Smith, and Carlson. That Smith Carlson, um, Marchesaw line, the 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 uh, the misfit line. Has uh, has kind of been the glue for this entire franchise, and then your, your other three guys. You think about what Carrier's done, right? And I'll get back to Marcus on in a second. Think about Carrier. This is a dude that since he got there, when Ryan Reeves arrived in, at the at the deadline from the Penguins for that Stanley Cup season, they were called the meat grinders line, just to go out and hit people and cause disruption to get your to set things up, get hit. Get the puck down in the offensive zone, and then boom, get your top line to get on the ice and leave the puck and let them go do their work. Carrier is like having a career year offensively, statistically. I mean, he he's come up with timely goals. Look at the timely goals, the big time goals he has scored in the postseason this year. So I think it goes back to that first year. And where I think that that a lot of that stems from and the confidence that lift that's lifted from these that these guys lift from is Jonathan. Marchesaw because he's so versatile and he can do everything. Think about what I just said about Carrier. He has the big body. He can hit. He's led the league in hits different times, right? He's led the league, uh, the team in hits. It's 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 much easier to talk about a big body guy. Someone talk, brought up today in, in media availability talking about defensemen, about how little guys can be uh, underestimated as a as a defensive player, little defenseman guys. They asked Petrangelo that question, being that he's a taller, right, uh, structure in his body. But when you talk about a physical forward and you bring the offensive game out of him, it's one thing. But when you talk about a guy like Marchesaw who can do everything and is physical and not afraid to get physical and not afraid to initiate the physicality. I'm not even talking about answering the bell to being physical. I'm talking about stepping up and throwing a, throwing a glove to a right jaw after a whistle. If you step too close to the goaltender and you didn't even do anything wrong, but he's going to send a message. Jonathan Marshall saw it many times is a guy. He may not wear the C on his sweater, but he can lift. The guy who's wearing the C on sweater. He could provide inspiration for Mark Stone. He could provide inspiration for Jack Eichel. Jonathan Marchessault is a key ingredient to this team. I think he'll forever be a franchise guy. And, you know, the, 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 the fans in this town, we have crazy, insane Golden Knights fans. And they love, to this day, Marc-Andre Fleur and Ryan Reeves, who are no longer here. And I think that they're always going to love the guys, the big names, whatever. But... You better pay attention because the guy who might be right, like if they win the Stanley Cup, the guy who's been the most consistent since day one to still being a Golden Knight is Jonathan Marchessault. And you got it. You mentioned it. Vegas is a hockey town now. It uh, feels like the Golden Knights are taking that mission that Bill Foley uh, stated when the, the team first uh, came into existence, Stanley Cup in the first six years. They remind me of the Spurs that one year in basketball when they lost. They're out on a mission to win, do like the owner's mission. What has Bill Foley meant to that city? It feels like he's made Vegas a sports town. Oh, tough phrase for me to accept. I've been here since 1972, 
and I appreciate all he's done for my town. I call it my town because I can. Um, there's not a lot of media members out here that can actually say, you know, there's been some better accomplished media members, and I'm humble enough to say that I'm not in the top tier of media members. You could have found somebody a lot better, a lot more accomplished to have the, on this podcast. But when it comes to knowing Las Vegas and being old school, I am the guy who's been here since 1972. I've seen this town grow. Bill Foley has meant a lot in what he's brought and initiated. But you want to talk about, you know, who's meant what to this turning into a pro sports town. You got to go back to some power brokers like Don Logan, who's still the president of the Las Vegas Aviators with the AAA uh, baseball club. You got to talk about the former mayor, Oscar Goodman, who initiated the talk of saying this is going to become a pro town and I'm going to do everything while I'm in office to bring David Stern to Las Vegas and show him we could have the NBA here because Bill, um, because Oscar Gutman loved the NBA when he was a Philadelphia guy. You got to talk about the, the original people that laid the foundation and the politicians back then. A lot of recent politicians want to take credit for being because they were in office when pro sports came to town. And I always say, settle down, Turbo. You did not bring pro sports here. You are not responsible it 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 took it was a you executed a plan that was for a blueprint that was laid out for you years and decades ago. But that all said, Bill Foley's the guy that stepped up and said, "Okay, if we're going to do it, let's do it." And he and he cut the check and signed it, <clears throat> paid to the order of "Let's go," and brought the NHL to Las Vegas. Um, that group there was a special group, um, as they called them, the Misfits. Nobody wanted them because they, as as they put it, they left them open for the expansion. Kelly McCrimmon was uh, George McPhee's right hand man, and Bill Foley put those two in charge of drafting the team. They brought in Gerard Gallant. You brought in Mark Andre Fleury, who, you know, he didn't just feel sort of expunged from Pittsburgh. Don't forget, he was replaced in net the year before when they won it. By Matt Murray. So he was already sort of feeling a little slighted for a franchise he helped build with Sid Crosby. So you bring all these guys together. And I'll never forget this interview I did with um, in September of 17 with Mark andre Fleury. He's one of his first availabilities. And we talked about wanting to, um, you know, what this team expectations were. Hey, let's just do what we can and play our best. And he goes, that's how my mind said. I came here to win. Like, there's no reason why we can't go out there and win. Now, he didn't say Stanley Cup, but he was like, no, we're not looking at, like, settling for just whatever happens. We're an expansion team, except the fact that we're building, and maybe in a couple of years we'll make the playoffs. He was like, that's unacceptable. We need to take the ice like we can win now. And, you know, that's how that's what they all did. And Bill Foley allowed that to happen by, by introducing the NHL to Las Vegas, bringing, in, uh, 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 you know, uh, an a ice – frozen ice sport to the desert and you know we went through the largest u.s uh largest mass shooting in united states history by october one shooting which took place by the way hours after an exhibition game against the san jose sharks and then they go on the road and they win and then they come back for october uh for for their home opener a couple uh less than two weeks after october one Derek england delivers the speech And from there, it was just a magical ride. So Bill Foley is the owner. Yes, he brought the franchise here. Yes, as a a whole, it's what the franchise did to allow people to believe again because of the shooting, 
believe in winning. Um, and, 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 you know, when I look back on it, you, you never would have thought the NHL was going to be the first sport to get here, but it's probably a good idea that it was because if the NBA was the first sport to get here, which a lot of people predicted, and it started gaining a fan base, then the Raiders come here. Now you got the WNBA and they're the world champions. There's no, there's no guarantee that the fan base would be as strong and the Golden Knights would have a stranglehold on the fan base like it does if it was the second or third or fourth pro franchise to get here. I think what was strong about Bill Foley and smart was that that was the first pro sports franchise to come here because it gave the fans something to cheer about. The fact that they went on that Stanley Cup run was magical. That was that was just, that was the cherry on top. Nobody ever would have thought that, you know. Um, the one thing that I have been consistent in saying, though, is being here for so many years and watching how this town has been fair weathered toward the UNLV running Rebel basketball program from back when I remember when Jerry Tarkanian battled the NT2AA. I remember their second trip to the Final Four at eighty six and eighty seven before they they won the championship in nineteen ninety. The problem is, is when this team falls off and has a couple of like last year, they missed the playoffs, but it didn't fall off. It was in the hunt for the playoffs down to the last week of the season. When this team struggles and is in fourth and fifth place all season and they have a couple of bad seasons in a row, this town's going to lose it. They don't know how good they have it. That's the problem with the Las Vegas fan base. So, yeah. But back to your original question, that was a long-winded answer. Bill Foley has done a lot, and yes, he's meant a lot because of what he brought to Vegas, but responsible for bringing pro sports and the guy who I'm not going to give him full credit. He, he did bring the first franchise, but this was a path that was laid a long time ago by a lot of longtime Las Vegans that have been here for, you know, for decades. Hey, that's a great answer uh, about the city of Las Vegas and how everything was laid to the foundation. Back to the final before we get you out of here with uh, Willie Ramirez, ESPN Las Vegas. What do you expect going into game two, both sides of the equation here? And uh, do you think Vegas goes up 2-0? Well, I, I, it, I really think it depends on what Florida comes out and tries to do. We, we asked Paul Maurice today, um, some of the other guys, Sam Reinhart, in terms of their physical style of play, and if they were going to get away from that because Vegas felt that they were trying to bait them in the third period, and they said, we weren't doing anything than playing our regular game. But I asked him, um, is there a fine line in trying to be careful in sticking to your game plan, but also crossing over when you become frustrated as they score the third goal, the fourth goal, the fifth goal, and all of a sudden you're down by – a couple or a few, it becomes those hits become a little extra. They become frustration rather than physical. I really have to wonder if Florida comes out and tries to outmuscle this team, they're going to be in a world of trouble because they're going to be so busy in trying to muscle Vegas and bully them that Vegas is going to stick to their finesse and they're going to just they're they're going to play their game. If they play a completely different style. Now, I don't mean getting away from a style that they can play, that they're used to playing, without getting caught up in the antics. It'll be a great game, and it could come down to which team scores last. Um, Vegas has the momentum. Vegas has the depth. Vegas has 
um, the edge right now, the mental edge. And the fact that there's only one day off in between. Now, I'm going to tell you what else Vegas has. Optional skates for both teams today. Florida did not skate. They decided not to skate. They just did their media availability, and they did not skate. They had to do their media availability at the Golden Knights building. So they had to leave T-Mobile, wherever, or not T-Mobile, but whatever hotel they were staying at. They had to take a charter bus up to Summerlin. They had to do their media availability in Golden Knights Arena and then come all the way back. The Golden Knights, they did their media availability, two players. Then they had an optional skate. Optional. I counted 17 guys on the ice. When there's optional skates, you might see eight, ten, one goaltender, maybe two. 17 guys were out there including Mark Stone, including Jonathan Marchessaw, including Shea Theodore, including Zach Whitecloud, including guys that scored goals last night. It's a big deal, right? These guys had a chance to take the day off. They were out there working. They're having fun. They're laughing. They're lighthearted. They're enjoying it. Cassidy had his – they did open locker room. They could have just said, no, we're just going to have media availability, the guys we put on the podium. They did media availability. They did open locker room. It's a very loose locker room right now, and I don't know if Florida's just trying to do it, if they're avoiding everything to stay focused or what they're doing, but from our understanding, nobody skated, and they might be in their own heads. So if you ask me what I predict, I, I, I have to predict that Vegas is going to win only from what I see, but I am going to reserve the fact that if Florida – can play a very smart hockey game without getting caught up in their own head, it's going to come down to which team scores last. Well, Willie Ramirez, thank you so much for joining the Full Press NHL podcast today and your insight into the Vegas Golden Knights, the city of Las Vegas. So glad to have you on here. Where can everybody find you uh, on social media? Uh, Instagram and Twitter, uh, Willie G. Ramirez, W-I-L-L-I-E-G. R-A-M-I-R-E-Z, Willie G. Ramirez. You can check me out there. Um, and then I'll have my stories up at either the Sporting Tribune or with the Associated Press. Going to be working with both throughout the Stanley Cup Final. Again, everybody, it's been Willie Ramirez, ESPN Las Vegas, writer at the Sporting Tribune, a member of the PHWA and AP Sports as well. Thank you so much for joining the show today you can get this at itunes spotify wherever you get your podcast thank you again willie thank you appreciate it